Father, this morning, we thank you that you are for us, that your word says that if God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for us, who can be against us? Father, we thank you this morning for your presence. I know that I feel you here. And I just trust that in every home, God, that they feel you as well this morning. We love you this morning. We thank you for the opportunity to worship. We thank you for your blessing. We thank you for the life that we have that comes from only you this morning. We celebrate that this morning. We praise you in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen. All right, I hope you're doing good this morning. Um, I, I guess we're having a couple little glitches as we're going through here. Uh, we're, we're working on it, so we're just going to keep rolling this morning. I hope that you are enjoying. Um, we've got some new stuff we're working with here, and the only way to get a real test with it is to actually jump in and actually test with it. So that's kind of, this is our first run this morning. So... We appreciate your patience if we got little glitches in that, but um, we're going to keep going. I want to let you know, um, as I do every week, um, first of all, I want to thank you um, for your faithfulness in giving. Over the last few weeks, it's, it's been amazing. And I was reflecting this morning on, on the scripture, and it talks about how when, we're, when, we, when we repent, when we come back, that God will take what the locust has devoured, and he will restore that. And, uh, and I'm believing that God is doing that. He's doing that in our church. He's doing that in your families. And uh, so I just want to ask you to continue to be faithful in your giving. And, uh, and uh, th there's three ways. One second. So um, there's three ways to give right now. If you don't know, most of you already know this. But if you don't know, first of all, you can give... Uh, by sending it into the church uh, by mail. And our address here at the church is P.O. Box 338, Coos Bay, Oregon, 97420. We're, we're all going to be able to quote all this by the time this thing is over. But So that's P.O. Box 338, Coos Bay, Oregon, 97420. You can give by just dropping it off by the church. and We have a mail slot in the door. And uh, the church is located at 625 West Commercial in Coos Bay. We're right next to Dairy Queen. So if you don't go to this church and you feel led to help us out, we would very much appreciate that. And you can just drop it right through the mail slot. And then uh, what a lot of you guys have been doing, and that's pretty awesome, is giving online. And uh, so we have, uh, you can go to the website at trc3.org. Uh, again, that's trc3.org. And right at the top of the page, you click on the donate button, and that will take you over there, and you can give that way as well. Um, we, we need your faithfulness. We thank you for your faithfulness. We just ask you to continue with what you guys are already doing. And uh, we, we appreciate it more than you know. And uh, we've just been blessed. We've been blessed during this time. And so we're glad for that. I want to uh, just remind you one more time, if you want to get notes for the message, I'm getting ready to jump in, but you can go over to trc3.org and you can get the notes off of the message link there right on the homepage. 
Um, you might be watching on the website right now, and it's right below the, the little video box there. You can click and get the notes. So uh, let's pray as we get ready to get in the Word. Father, I just thank you for this Word this morning. This is, an, uh, uh, to me at least, is an amazingly encouraging Word. And uh, I just pray that you would anoint my lips. Uh, I don't take this for granted to be able to, to preach your gospel and to speak your word. And I just ask you would help me, uh, that you would anoint me to speak your words, and that you would give everyone that's listening right now, wherever they're at, wherever they're listening from, that you would give them an ear to hear what your spirit is saying this morning. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning is... Um, this is a little, oh, I should remind you too, if you have prayer requests, please just drop them in the comments there on YouTube or on Facebook, and we will be having a time of prayer at the end. Uh, we didn't do that last week because of Resurrection Sunday, but we will be doing it today. So um, we got people monitoring the comments. If you just send in your prayer requests, we're going to take some time, and we're going to have some prayer at the end of the, the message. So go ahead and send those in. So, so anyway, today is, uh, it's kind of an, uh, maybe... The message is not really weird or odd in a sense, but kind of the, the way that I got to this message is a little bit different this morning. So I wanted to explain that to you um, because a lot of people may not know my message this morning is called the cancel culture, the cancel culture. And, and really it comes from in the last couple years or so, and a lot of you guys already know this, but some of you may not, there's, there's a thing that's going on in our culture right now. And, uh, and that's where that term, the cancel culture, comes from. And, and I, I looked this up. There's actually a, a dictionary definition of this thing now. And so the cancel culture means this. Cancel culture refers to the popular practice of withdrawing support for or canceling public figures and companies after they have done, so, uh, done or said something considered objectionable or offensive. Cancel culture is generally discussed as being performed on social media in the form of group shaming. Now, if you're not much on social media, you may not know much about this, but it seems today that there's not actually really a day that goes by when somebody or some company or something is not getting canceled. And so some guy will get on and he'll, he'll send something on his Instagram or he'll put something out on Twitter or Facebook, and somebody will get offended by it. And when they get offended by it, then they'll stir everybody else, and everybody else will get offended by it. And then they will attempt to shame that person or that organization, and they'll, they'll try to boycott them, try to put them out of business sometimes with, with certain organizations. And, and, and they call that canceling. And so you may, if you're on Twitter, you might see uh, something like, you know, Donald Trump. Is, now, Donald Trump, he gets canceled just about every day, it seems like. But, but it'll say, Donald Trump is canceled. And it'll just be person after person after person. That, that's saying, oh, he's the worst person, or it could be a company that, that does something somebody doesn't like, and this is the worst company that has ever existed. And, and that's called the cancel culture. And, and it's weird because recently I was listening to a, a podcast, and, and he referenced this cancel, this cancel, cancellation. And it really wasn't about cancel culture. It really didn't have anything to do with what I want to talk to you about today. In fact, he just said it in passing. It wasn't even part of what he was really speaking about. And when he said that, I was out, for, I was out running, and, and I was just listening to this. And when, when it popped into my mind, I started thinking about that cancel culture and how we're, in, our, in our society we're just trying to destroy people and tear people down. And, and the thought popped into my head that there is a whole different cancel culture that as believers in Christ that we are a part of. 
And it's not a cancel culture that's built around tearing people down or anything like that. It's built around the things that, that God has declared that he is going to cancel. And when we see the things that God has declared that he wants to cancel, then we're going to find a lot of encouragement in that because those things generally are related to the stuff that we're struggling with and the things that we're going through. And so as we go through this today, I, I, want, you, I want you to just to track along with things that are being canceled. In fact, in the, in the message chat down there or whatever, just drop in there, just say canceled. And, and I want to ask you to do this today. And for you, it may, not, it may not seem like, why would I do that? What's the point of that? But as we're going through this today, and I'm dropping these points, and you're writing them down in your notes, I just want you to write these things into the comment section. Because I'm going to tell you about some things that have been canceled. And you say, well, why do you want us to write them in the, cancel, in, in the comment section? Well, the reason really isn't so much about you is that I, I, I feel, and I know this is weird. I'm a weird guy. If you go to this church, you know that. But, but I, I have a sense this morning that we need to corporate proclaim to the world these things. That it needs to not just be me saying it and you hearing it and maybe writing it down on your notes, but we need to corporately, we need to proclaim the things that God has called canceled. And so as we're going through this today, I just want you to say these things are canceled as we're going. And so my bottom line for today, let's get to it. My bottom line for this message if you don't remember anything else I say, just remember this. When God says canceled, it is finished. When God says canceled, it is finished. Now, we just came out of Resurrection Sunday, and we know that when Jesus was on the cross, he said, it is finished. And he wasn't talking about his life. It wasn't that he was saying, my life is finished, but he was saying, my mission is finished. It is accomplished. The thing that I set out to do when I came to this earth and I lived my life and I die on this cross, I have completed the mission. And the mis mission, in many senses, is a cancellation of some things. There are some things in your life that God has declared that these things are canceled. And so let's take a look at that. When God says canceled, it is finished. So in Colossians chapter 2, verse 13, watch this. I like this. I'm reading out of the New, the new Living Translation this morning. Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 through 15. I'm already getting excited because I, I love this message today. It says this. It says, you are dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all our sins, and he canceled the record. Everybody say, he canceled the record. He canceled the record of the charges against us, and he took it away by nailing it to the cross. This is so good. I could just read this verse and pray, and we could, we could just cut the stream today, because this is, this is amazing. He canceled the record of the charges against us, and he took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities, and he shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. And so I want to I start by talking about that, that word canceled there. And, and, and in some, some of your versions, that word may be, may be a little bit different, but that word canceled there in the original uh, Greek that this was written in, <coughs> excuse me, and the Greek that it was written in, that word canceled there means to wipe off, to wipe away, and then I like this one, to obliterate, to erase, to wipe out, or to blot out. So if you're in your notes there, that word is to obliterate. 
It says that God obliterated the record of the charges against us. Now, I hope you're already listening. I'm not even getting started yet, but I hope you're paying attention to what I'm saying. Because some of you are battling with some things this morning, and I want you to know that God, that Jesus, when he hung on that cross, he already obliterated these things in your life, and you need to let go of that and accept the thing that God has canceled in your life this morning. He obliterated some things. And so point number one is this, and I want you to say this in the comment section. Sin is canceled. Sin is canceled. Let's take a look at verse 13 and 14 again. It says, you were dead. You were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ. I want you to notice you didn't do that. He did that. You were dead, but he made you alive. You didn't make yourself alive. You're not doing anything to bring yourself to life. He made you alive. Well, how did he do that? Alive with Christ, for he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. Sin is canceled. Sin is canceled. Now, last week we talked about the fact that the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. And so we have to understand, and if you weren't tuning in last week, I want you to know this. If you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ this morning, you are dead in your sins. Now you're like, don't judge me. I'm not judging you. I'm just speaking the truth because I care about you this morning. The wages of sin is death, and that penalty is going to be paid. And it's going to either be paid by you or it can be paid by Jesus Christ. You get to determine that because he's made a way for you. And so last week we talked about the fact the wages of sin is death, but Jesus carried those sins to the cross and he nailed, he was nailed to that cross. And the and Hebrews tells us that when he was nailed to the cross, that our sins were nailed to that cross with him. And that when our sins were nailed to the cross with him, all of our sin was canceled. It's over. It's done for. Now you might say, Pastor, you talked about this last week. Why are you going through this again? Don't you have anything better to say? And I, and I want to say to you this morning, I'm saying this again this week for two reasons. First of all, I believe as believers in Christ, as followers of Christ, as churches, as those that proclaim Jesus, it is more imperative than ever. Listen to me this morning. It is more imperative than ever that we preach the simple and clear gospel to this world. Because you're going to be hearing this a lot. You'll hear it from me. You're going to be hearing it all over when you're out there watching the news and all these kind of things. The things that are going on in the world right now are pointing to the fact that we are coming to the end. That this age is just about to end. And those who are not ready to go when Jesus comes back for us, they're going to have to go through a really terrible, terrible time down here on this earth. And ultimately, they may end up in a place separated from God from all eternity. And I don't want that. I don't want that for you. I don't want that for me. I don't want that for anybody. And so as believers in Christ, we can sit back and say, well, I'm saved. I'm good. And I'm just going to hold on until Jesus comes. Or I can realize that there are people all around me that don't understand, that don't know. The, the true, simple, clear gospel that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Listen to me, church. It's not enough that just we know and that we're in, the, we're in the safe zone, but we need to bring everybody in with us. We need to preach a clear, simple gospel that brings people out of the darkness and into the light. We need to proclaim truth. That's why I go over that again this week. 
It's more imperative than now, now, more than it has ever been before. The second reason I'm going over that again this week is about something that I talked about in Bible study this week. And, and that is this, that I know so many believers that, that, that they, they, they say they've, they've accepted Christ and they've prayed and they've repented and they've turned from their sin, and yet there's still something that's just nagging at them. And there's something down in there that even though the truth is that if you will trust in Jesus, that he will take away your sin, that your sin is canceled, there are so many even believers in the church that still struggle with that, saying, I don't know if God can forgive me. I don't know if, if, if he really, truly will really, really forgive me. I know that he could forgive David and April and, and the worship team because they all stand up there and they're all righteous and holy all the time. And maybe God could forgive them, but I don't know if he could forgive me. And the problem with that is that your calling and your purpose gets so, so knocked out of whack when you're running around under the burden of sin that has already been canceled. Everybody say sin is canceled. You don't need to run around in your life anymore worried about the sin that you committed long before you ever said, Jesus, come into my life, forgive me of my sins. That sin is canceled, done, debt. If you had a million-dollar debt and the person that held your debt just came to you and said, look, I'm just going to cancel that debt, done, finished, over, finito, don't worry about it anymore. Let me ask you a question. Are you going to run around for the rest of your life under the stress of that debt? Or are you going to rejoice and say, praise God, I am out from under that debt and I'm going to go live my life? And yet that's what so many of us do is that we, we say, I know that Jesus says he will forgive me. And, 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 I, and I pray and I ask him to forgive me. But I'm still running around under the weight of a debt that's not even there anymore. And I want to say to you this morning, if you've trusted in Jesus, sin is canceled. You don't have to run around under the weight of that debt anymore. So I want to say something to you this morning. It's very much Christianity 101. But I want you to be able to, to, for two reasons, I want you to know that if you have done these things and you believe in these things, then that debt of sin is gone out of your life and you need to go on and live your purpose. Live the reason that God created you. And, and so how do I get my sin canceled? Because you might be watching this morning or, or on a replay somewhere, and you're going, that, that sounds good, but how do I do that? How do I get my sin canceled? How do I get right with God? And, and I want to share something with you. Maybe I should have had Miss Dana do this in the, in the early morning kids, kids uh, teaching this morning because this is something I learned when I was like seven years old. But if you want to get your sin canceled, it's as simple as a couple verses in 1 John chapter 1. And, and I'm reading this this morning out of the, the Living Bible, and it says it this way, 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. If we say that we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and refusing to accept the truth. But, everybody say but, and make sure you spell it right, okay? But if we confess our sins to him, he can be depended on to forgive us and cleanse us from every wrong. And it is perfectly proper for God to do this for us because Christ died to wash away our sins. So what do we see in there? How do I get my sin canceled? Now, you might say, I've already done this. I don't need to know this. 
Well, I'd also like to just give you a little tool because a lot of people say, I don't know how to share my faith. I don't know. I don't know how to lead someone to Jesus. Let me tell you this morning. Here's how you lead someone to Jesus. It's as simple as ABC. Don't, don't shoot at me. I know this is Christian. I know this is seventh grade stuff. But I want simple, clear presentations of the gospel is what we need right now in our culture. It's as simple as A, B, C. Number one, A, acknowledge that you are a sinner. Well, I'm, I don't think I'm a sinner. Well, 1 John 1, 8, what does it say? If we say that we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and refusing to accept the truth. We have to acknowledge. If you're in your notes, A is acknowledge. Acknowledge that you are a sinner. Well, I don't want to do that. Why not? It's not that big of a deal. Everybody else knows you're a sinner. Everybody else knows I'm a sinner. Why not just say it? Acknowledge that you are a sinner. Number two, you have to believe that Jesus is the only one that can fix your sin. He's the only one that can wipe that away. There's no other way. What does it say there at the end of that verse? It says, it is perfectly proper for God to do this for us because Christ died to wash away our sins. Christ died. Man, I wish you guys were all in this building right now because I'm about ready to pop and there's no one, there's like, I don't know, I'm, I don't know, something. This is good stuff. Believe that Jesus is the only one who can fix your sin. It is perfectly proper for God to do this because Christ died to wash away our sins. So the first thing you have to do is what? You have to acknowledge you're a sinner. The second thing you do, B, is you got to believe that Jesus is the only one that can fix your sin problem. And C, number C is, number C, letter C is confess. You have to confess your sins. You don't just acknowledge that you are a sinner, but you have to confess to God that you are a sinner. Watch what it says. But if we confess, now I want you to, I want you to notice that. There's a difference between acknowledging and truly confessing that to God. And you will notice that sins being uh, canceled, that you being cleansed, that you being forgiven is connected to an if. If you confess. So verse 9 there says, if we confess our sins to him, he can be depended on. Listen, you can't be dependent. Come on, man. You can't be dependent on to not sin probably at the rest of this day. Some of you are going to be arguing with your wife or your husband for the end of this, this message today. Some of you are going to be yelling at your kids. Some, we, can't, we cannot be depended on not to sin. But he can be depended on. He can be. And how can I put my dependence in him to forgive me and to cleanse me by confessing my sin to him? I have to say, Jesus, I believe in who you are. I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. I believe that you're the sin, you're the sin forgiver. You're the healer. You're, you're the one that cleanses me. You're the one that cancels my sin. And I trust in you. I trust in your blood in order to do that. Now listen, we in the church, we make the kingdom of God so complicated all the time. I talk about this a lot. But we complicate the kingdom so much because we think it's got to be about reading the Bible enough or praying enough or singing enough worship songs or whether we can gather in a building or not. If, if, any, if we have, listen, gathering in a building is important. And the first time that we're, we're, we're kind of free up to do that again, we're going to do it. But if we have not learned in the last few weeks that we do not have to gather in a building in order to worship God and to connect with him, I don't know what else is going to teach us. I just don't know. 
But we think that's what we have to do. And we think we have to share our faith enough and we have to be good enough and we have to say the right words and not say the wrong words and do all of those things. And yet the word of God, simple and clear and concise, says that all you need to do to come into this relationship with God is to acknowledge you're a sinner, believe Jesus is the only one that can fix it, and confess your sins to him and turn your life to him. And when you do that, your sin has been canceled. This morning, you don't even need to wait to the end of this message if you're saying, I need that, I need that. Just do it right now. Just say, Jesus, I believe in who you are. I know I'm a sinner, and I confess that I'm a sinner, and I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Just do it right now. You don't have to wait. And the second thing I want to say about that is, if you are a believer in Christ and you have done that, stop living under the weight of your sin. Stop living under the weight of your sin. Don't live under the weight of something that has already been canceled and wiped out. Your sin is canceled. The second thing that's canceled goes along with our sin being canceled, and that is this. Say this, drop this in the comments down there. Shame is canceled. Shame is canceled. Somebody say amen on, on the chat or something. Shame is canceled. You say, what's the big deal about being stuck underneath the weight of my sin if I'm forgiven anyway? Maybe I should run around, even though I know God's forgiven me, maybe I should run around all the time just being bummed out and talking about what an awful, horrible, lousy person I am and all that stuff. Why not just do that? Well, the problem with that is that shame that comes with that, shame is the evil sidekick of sin. Shame is the, listen to me, church, shame is the evil sidekick to sin. Because if, if Satan can't get you in your sin, he's going to try to get you in your shame. I'm going to say that again because that was good. If he cannot get you in your sin, he's going to get you in your shame. If you're in your notes right there, shame and condemnation are weapons of the enemy to keep us from living the life that we are purposed to live. Shame and condemnation are weapons of the enemy to keep us from living the life that we are purposed to live. Shame is the evil sidekick to sin. Because if Satan can't get you with the sin, he's going to get you with his shame. See, now there, there's a thing that we understand in the church, and if you don't understand that, I'm just going to explain it to you a little bit. There's a thing called conviction. And conviction is what happens when you're walking with God, and, and there's that little, I, I, I love the movie Pinocchio, I, because I'm simple and goofy, okay? I just am. I love the movie Pinocchio because, and I don't mean any disrespect in any way, just track with what I'm saying this morning, because, because Jiminy Cricket reminds me of the Holy Spirit. Because Jiminy Cricket runs around going, hey, hey, uh, Pinocchio, you, you don't want to be doing that. You don't want to be going there. You don't want to be, you don't want to be hanging out with these people. And, and there, there's that little voice that keeps telling Pinocchio, you got to not do this. And Pinocchio ignores that voice and what happened? Uh, he turned into something, and I'll let you figure that out. So there's that little voice. And, and the Holy Spirit is like that in our lives. He's the, the voice that says, look, you need to be going this way, but you're going that way. You need to be talking this way, but you're talking that way. You need to be acting this way, but you're acting that way. And, and, that, and that, what that is, when you, when you hear that little voice that's speaking to you and there's just something that checks you and you know that what it is that you're doing or saying or whatever it is is not quite right, that right there, that's called conviction. That's conviction. And conviction is a good thing. 
Conviction is something the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life. And he uses conviction to keep you in a really amazing relationship with God. And whenever we get the conviction of the Holy Spirit and we respond to the conviction through, through uh, acknowledging our sin and believing in Jesus and confessing our sins, when we, when we follow that conviction, it leads us into blessing. The, the, you know the song, the, the Lord will bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you. When you respond to conviction, and, and that's, that's from God, that's God, that's a good thing. But there is, there is a counterfeit to that. And that counterfeit is called condemnation. And the trouble with conviction and condemnation is that condemnation feels an awful lot like conviction. Condemnation, in fact, when you're under the conviction of the Holy Spirit, that conviction and condemnation can feel just essentially the same. And it's kind of the same thing. But here's the difference. Conviction will end when you confess your sins and you turn to God. Condemnation will continue. I hope you're listening to me today because I'm trying to give you something good. Conviction is meant to lead us to repentance. And when we repent, the conviction lifts. Because if we have repented and turned to Jesus, there's no reason for us to be under conviction anymore. So when conviction comes and we say, Lord, I messed up, forgive me, come back into my life, Holy Spirit, come and speak to me again and move in my life. When we do that, conviction lifts and the joy will come. The kingdom of God is not condemnation and, and, and anger and frustration. The kingdom of God is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And when you're under the conviction of the Holy Spirit and you respond to the conviction of the Holy Spirit, that conviction will lift and righteousness, peace, and joy will begin to flood back into your life again. But con condemnation will not. This is how you tell the difference. Is it God that's doing this in me or is this the enemy doing this in me? Because if you turn to God, that conviction will lift and you will get that righteousness, peace, and joy back. But condemnation will stay. Condemnation and shame become the cloud that, that just runs over your life everywhere you go. And, and no matter what you, no matter how much Bible you read, no matter how many prayers you pray, no matter how many online services you stream, and trust me, there are plenty more that you can watch today other than just this one. Good ones. And you should. But no matter how many of those things that you do, that, that dark cloud is still over you, and that cloud is called shame. And I want to give you something this morning and let you know, you don't have to walk under that shame anymore, because when sin was canceled, shame was canceled with it. When sin was canceled, shame was canceled with it. Because Romans chapter 8, verse 1 says, there is therefore now no condemnation. Write that in the comments down there. Let's proclaim that out to the world this morning. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who have been called according to his purpose. I'm going to read that again. That's good stuff. There is therefore now no condemnation. For those who are in Christ Jesus, who have been called according to his purpose. I love Isaiah chapter 61. I wish I had time to break down Isaiah 61 for you this morning. It is an amazing chapter, and you should just go study it when this thing is over. But, but suffice it to say, Isaiah 61 has a lot to do with us. And in verse 7 of Isaiah chapter 61, I'm reading this from the New Living Translation. It says this. It says, instead of shame... Listen to me. Instead of shame and dishonor, you will enjoy a double share of honor. That's good stuff. You will possess a double portion 
of prosperity in your land, and everlasting joy will be yours. You see what happened there? We had shame and dishonor, but instead of shame and dishonor, we get a double portion of blessing. God takes the shame, and he takes the dishonor, and he gives us a double portion of blessing. And what is that double portion? He says, you will have prosperity in your land. Now, it's not just about money. People, people are so shallow, and they make everything about money and houses and cars and all of that. Prosperity of soul is something much greater than any of those things. Prosperity of soul is much greater than any financial blessings, although God can and will bless you financially as well. But you get a double portion. You get prosperity in the land, and you get the joy of the Holy Spirit, which is everlasting. It's everlasting joy. Say that with me, everlasting joy. Listen to me. Shame and dishonor, shame and condemnation suck the joy out of your life. It sucks the joy out of your life. And I want you to know this morning that when Jesus hung on that cross and he canceled your sin, your shame was canceled right along with it. And instead of that shame, instead of that dishonor, you get a double portion of blessing. You get prosperity in your land. You get everlasting joy. So number one, sin is canceled. Number two, shame is canceled. Number three, don't shoot at me. This is the worst grammar this may be the worst grammar ever, but I needed an S word, right? You got to have an S word. So I want to say this. Number three is this. My scared is canceled. Write that in the notes. And then if you want to write bad grammar after it, go right ahead. That's terrible grammar. But my scared is canceled. See, when you enter into this relate, man, whew, this is about to be the best part. Well, no, it's not. This is the, this is the third best part of my message right now. When I come into this relationship with Jesus, when you come into this relationship with Jesus, this is a relationship of love and grace. It's not a relationship of anger and fear. So when we come into this relationship, the, 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 the fear, the scared, are scared. People say, I'm scared. Everybody say, I'm scared. You don't need to be scared because your fear is canceled when you come into this relationship with Jesus. Well, what do you mean by that? Well, I mean this. There are three areas of fear that I want to just share with you real briefly here. There's three areas of fear. And these three areas of fear just about cover every other area of fear in our lives in one way or another. So, so number one is this. Why, why is my scared canceled? Why is my fear canceled? When, listen to me. Your fear was canceled when Jesus hung on the cross. There is no reason for you to walk one more day, one more hour, one more second in fear because your fear was canceled when Jesus hung on the cross. Watch this. Why, why, is, why, why do you say my fear is canceled? Number one, I have no fear of judgment. I have no fear of judgment. Why is that? Because 1 John chapter 4.18 says this, There is no fear in love, for perfect love casts out all fear. And if you'll go and you'll study that little passage in 1 John chapter 4, you will find that that fear is connected to I am afraid of judgment that is coming my way. 
It says, there's a fearful expectation of judgment that is coming my way. But when I come into this relationship with Jesus, when my sin is canceled, when my shame is canceled, I have no reason to fear judgment anymore because I'm not in a fear of judgment relationship. I'm not in an anger relationship. I'm not in a relationship where I'm worried about Jesus smashing me or coming down and striking me with a lightning bolt because my fear of judgment was canceled on the cross. My fear of judgment was canceled on the cross. There is no fear in love because the perfect love of God, the perfect love, the perfect love of God that was manifest through Jesus on the cross casts out all my fear of judgment. The second fear that was canceled at the cross is that we have no fear of embracing our purpose. We have no fear. One of the things that, that I see in the church a lot is that people will say, oh, I don't have any gifts. I don't have anything I can do. I'm just a no good dirty worm and I'm just going to hold on until Jesus comes. And I want to let you know that when, when you come into this relationship with Jesus, there is a gift inside of you. There is a purpose inside of you. There is a ministry inside of you. There is a destiny inside of you. And instead of being afraid to step into that, because what if I step into something and it doesn't work out? What if it doesn't work out? Who cares? Because if God has destiny you to do a thing, it's going to happen even if you fall down along the way. And sometimes we're so fearful to step into the things of God, to step into the promises of God. Look, when this word says, that when this word makes a promise, you can step into that promise without fear. This word right here says that before you were formed in the womb, he knew you. He knew what he created you for. He knew what your purpose was. He knew what you were put on this earth for. And you need not have any fear of stepping in to that purpose. Well, why do you say that, Pastor? I say that because 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6 and 7 says this. This is why I remind you to fan into flame the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. Now, before I go on, I want to just look at that just for a minute. Paul is saying to Timothy, I want to remind you to fan into flame the gift that God gave you. Now, here's the obvious question. Why would Paul feel it necessary to remind Timothy to fan that gift into flame? Why would he do that? Well, because obviously something was happening in Timothy's life that was keeping him from fanning that gift into flame. And if you do some studying about Timothy, you'll find out that it may have very well been that some of the elders in the church where Timothy was pastoring were kind of putting him down because he was young. And, and maybe they thought, didn't think he could do it quite right. And maybe he didn't have quite, quite the right gifts or quite the right knowledge. Because after all, Paul used to be here. And now Paul, Paul's the guy, but Timothy, he's, he's just, we're, we're just hanging with Timothy until Paul comes back. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And Paul is saying to Timothy, there is nothing that you need to wait for me to come back for. You need to fan that gift into flame yourself because you have been placed in that place for such a time as this. And listen to me, church. We have been placed in this culture for such a time as this. I'm, listen, I'm not afraid of the coronavirus. Now, are we, should we use wisdom and not do stupid things? Yes. But I'm not afraid of the coronavirus. I'm not afraid of the volcanoes. I'm not afraid of the earthquakes. I'm not afraid of the government. I'm not, I'm not afraid of all of these things. Why? Because there is something inside of me that is bigger and better and greater than all of those things. 
and I cannot be intimidated into stepping back. I have to realize that I wasn't created by accident. Mm. You were not created by accident to be living in these days. You were created by God, and he placed you right in the middle of the chaos that's going on in this world for such a time as this, to stir up the gift that he's placed in you and to use it to bring glory to God and to bring people out of darkness and into the light. And so he says to Timothy, Paul says, I want to remind you to fan into the flames, refuge church, even if you don't go to the Refuge Church and you're tuning in this morning, I want to remind you to fan into flame the spiritual gift that God gave you when, when you received that from him. Now watch this. Why do, why do I need to do that? What if I'm scared? What if I'm scared? What if I don't know? What if I don't do it right? What if I don't say it right? What do I do? Watch this. It says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and love and self-discipline. Did you hear what I said? Why, why can I know that it's okay for me to fan and flame the gift that has been placed inside of me? You can know that because you don't need to be afraid because there is no spirit of fear in the things of God. There's no spirit of timidity in the things of God. In the things of God, there is power, and there is love, and there is self-discipline. So you need not fear stepping into your purpose and embracing your purpose. The third one is this. We, we have no fear of judgment. We have no fear of embracing purpose. The third one is we have no fear of death. This is a good one. We have no fear of death. Am I looking for death? Absolutely not. But am I fearful of death? Absolutely not, because I know what happens at the end of this. The death cannot touch me. I, I love that song, the forever. Death could not hold you. Death could not hold you. And it's like, well, that was talking about Jesus. But let me tell you something. When Jesus hung on the cross, he canceled death in your life. Death is canceled. It's done. It's over with. Romans 6, 5 says this, since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. Some of you didn't get that, so I'm going to read it again. Since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. In 1 Corinthians 15, 51 to 58, I'm not going to read that, but it says this, that there will be a day in my life, a day in your life, when the prophecy will be fulfilled, oh, death, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? Where, where, where is it? See, we, we fear death in this world. That, that's, the whole world is shut down. Listen to me. You hear me, church? The whole world is shut down right now because of the fear of death. And, and there, there's wisdom in, in, in doing things to protect yourself. That's, I'm not saying be stupid. But what I'm saying is this, the whole world is shut down because of a fear of death. But there's going to be a day when, when, we, when we die, when we get raptured, when we're standing before the throne of God, when we will stand with Jesus and we will stand with the multitudes, the, the millions and millions and billions and trillions and, and myriads of myriads of those, and we will say together, death, where is your sting? You have no victory. 
Death has no victory. If you are a believer in Christ this morning, death has no victory in you. He has no victory. This world may beat you. Sickness may ravage you. Things may happen. You may, you may have disease and, and things that you battle with. But I want to tell you, even unto death, death cannot touch you because death was canceled at the cross. So you need not have fear of death. My last thing is this, and then I'm going to get ready to wrap this morning. And, and this is kind of the culmination. At, at, at the core of this, what is it? How do I say this? All of these things, my sin, my shame, my fear, my scared, all of those things are canceled because there's one bigger thing that's been canceled. When the one bigger thing was canceled, all of the other things were canceled with it. And that is this one. Satan is canceled. Satan is canceled. In our scripture today, in Colossians chapter 2, verse 15, now, now I'm going to go back and I'm going to read that, but I want you to focus in on verse 15 when I read this. So Colossians 2, 13 to 15, watch this. You were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away, but then God made you alive with Christ. For he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and he took it away by nailing it to the cross. Now watch this, watch this. Satan is canceled. That's good. I'm feeling that one. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. Let me read that again. In this way, he disarmed. Everybody say disarmed. We have a disarmed foe that we are fighting today. Now you say, well, Satan's real powerful. Well, yeah, hold on. Just give me a second. But I want to give you the truth of the word of God. Because sometimes we build our lives around our experience and not right theology. Right? My experience tells me that the devil is powerful. My experience tells me that the devil's going to defeat me. My experience tells me that I'm going to lose this war against the devil. Well, I want to tell you this morning that your experience does not make good theology most of the time. We cannot base our theology on experience. We have to base our theology on the Word of God. Our doctrine must be based on the Word and not our experience. Do you see what I'm saying? I hope you do. Because here's good doctrine. Here's good theology. In this way, He, who's He? He is Jesus. In this way, in what way? By nailing all of the sins and all the shame and all of the fear and all of that to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and all the authorities. And watch this. I like this one. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. He shamed them publicly. The enemy's been walking around causing you to be under a cloud of shame for too long because the one that has been shamed is him. You don't have to buy into his shame anymore. You don't have to buy into the sin lie anymore. You don't have to buy into the fear anymore because Satan has been canceled. He's done. He's finished. He's trying to fight you. That's for sure. But he's fighting a battle that has already been won. Do you hear me, church? Satan is trying to win a battle that has already been won. When Jesus died on the cross, the victory was secured. That, that was done. Sin, canceled. Shame, canceled. Fear, canceled. 
principalities, powers, spiritual hosts of wickedness, and the highest one of all, Satan himself, canceled when Jesus put himself on the cross. Nailed our sins to the cross. Nailed our shame to the cross. Nailed our fear to the cross. He is canceled. He's disarmed. Now watch this, because I like this. When the cancellation of sin, shame, and fear, this is in your notes, with the cancellation of sin, shame, and fear of judgment and death, Satan's greatest weapon to pull you down has been canceled as well. He no longer has power to destroy you. He no longer has power to destroy you. Are you hearing me? He no longer has power to destroy you. Well, he's been, he's been destroying me with my sin. You're not under that anymore. It's canceled. He's been destroying me with shame. You're not under that shame anymore. It's canceled. He's been tearing me up with fear. You don't have to be under that fear anymore. It's canceled. It's all canceled because Satan himself is canceled. He's done. The victory is Jesus and God's. And if it's their victory, it's your victory. If Jesus overcame sin, you overcome sin. If Jesus overcame the attempted shame, you overcome shame. If Jesus pushed past his fear, you push past your fear. If Jesus overcame death, you overcome death. There is nothing else that Satan has. See, it is a... It is a dangerous individual who has no fear of anything but God himself. I'm going to have our worship team come back up this morning. It is a dangerous individual that has nothing to fear but God himself. One fearless believer who will not be caught up under the, the, the cloud of sin who will not be caught up under the cloud of shame, who will not be shaken or moved by fear, who will not be fo uh, shaken or, or, or focused in on the lies and the deceptions of a defeated foe. Your shame is now Satan's shame. The shame that he tried to put on you has been boomeranged back up on him. God leads the principalities and powers in, in a tremendous display of victory. They walked shamed, defeated, broken. Your shame is upon them. Your defeat is upon them. And your victory is assured because Satan has been canceled in your life if you will trust him. Now we're going we're gonna to get ready to go back into worship just for a moment and then we're going we're gonna to pray. If you've got some prayer requests, send them in. But before we do that, I want to pray two prayers this morning. The first prayer is this one. If you're tuning in and you're, you're listening to this either live or on a replay, and you have not yet accepted Christ's victory in your life, I want to invite you to accept it right now. I want to implore you Listen, the wages of sin is death. That death will be paid. It's first a spiritual death, and then ultimately it's eternal death. But you don't have to be in that place anymore. Well, how do I do that? Simply do what I just said earlier in this message. Acknowledge that you are a sinner. Believe that Jesus 
went to the cross and took your sins with him, that he paid the price for your sin. Believe on him. Not only did he take your sin and die on the cross, but on the third day, as we talked about last week, he rose again so that in his death and resurrection, you can come to your death and resurrection. Believe on him and then confess. You just confess. Well, how do I confess it? You pray this prayer with me. If you're saying right now, I, I, want it, I want that victory in my life. I want that relationship with God. I want that love in my life. I want my sin to be gone. I want my shame to be gone. I want my fear to be removed. Then just pray this prayer with me right now. Just say, Jesus, I believe in you. I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. I believe that you died on the cross for me. I believe that after your death, you rose again. And I confess that I am a sinner, but if I trust in you, that you will come and you will forgive me, you will cleanse me, you will set me free. And so I ask you to come into my life, forgive me of my sin, fill me with your Holy Spirit, and lead me in your path for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Now listen, if you prayed that prayer and you believe then your sin is now canceled. Your shame is canceled. Your fear is canceled. You don't have to walk around in fear anymore. The enemy has been disarmed and defeated in your life. And you should rejoice in that this morning. The second prayer I want to pray, and then we're going to worship for a minute, is for you if you're already a believer. You're already a believer. You've already acknowledged your sin. You've already believed in Jesus. You've already confessed your sins to him. But you're still walking under the sin. You're still walking under the dark cloud of shame. You're still walking around in fear. Then I want you to know this morning that without any doubt, that can be removed from your life. Right now. Right now? Right now. Well, how do I do that? I want you to pray this prayer with me, and I want you to believe it this morning. I don't care if you've been in the church for 50 years. If you're still struggling in your sin and your shame and your fear and, and the enemy is tormenting you, I want you to pray this prayer with me right now. Just say, Jesus, I believe that you are my victory and that I have confessed my sins to you and that I believe that you have forgiven me. I walk out from under this dark cloud today. I walk away from my sin. I walk away from my shame. I walk away from my fear. I walk away from the plots and the plans of the enemy. And I walk into your righteousness, into your peace, into your joy. And I trust in you and you alone. I don't trust in myself. Because in myself, I am a sinner. In myself, I fail. I fall. But in you, I have victory. In you, I overcome. In you, I cannot be defeated. In you, I cannot be stopped. You are my, you are my refuge. You are my strong tower. I trust in you. I ask that you would help me to hear your voice 
and follow after you every day. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and lead me in Jesus' name. Amen. Now listen, believer, Christ follower, if you just prayed that prayer and you believe it, the cloud is gone. Do you hear me this morning? The cloud is gone. Do not walk around in your life for one more minute, one more second, under a cloud that does not exist because you are free in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you this morning for your freedom. I thank you for your life. I thank you that in you, Jesus, in your cross, in your resurrection, that my sin was canceled, that our shame was canceled, that our fear was canceled, that the plots and the plans of the enemy have all been canceled, and that we are victorious in you. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, 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 amen. Say amen.